All right, guys, we are live for the first time since our early signing period. Marathon. I was going to ask, is that really the first time since? First time of the year. Oh, wow. Happy well, it went so swimmingly last time. We should go for seven hours again. I was going to say, I'm going to ask for seven. Josh, can you reenact when you found out what Travis Hunter was doing? Do the. Uh, and poor Zach, the best part of. Well, none of that was best, but Zach going to and from all over South Florida. And then I think just quitting on life midway through and be like, none of this matters anymore. Yeah. I was Did like, you do that? Not, I was like, I'm not going to any school, any more schools. Like none of this stuff matters. Like, yeah. <laughs> he did. He just yeah. checked out, which I, Brandon, I don't did blame you him. Did you do that in 2017? I do that like three times a year. I mean, that's not. Yeah. But when you were on the road. Oh, when Chris, when Chris didn't inform me of the, um, Who's the I quarterback that went to A&M? You couldn't inform on the list. James Foster. James, James Foster. Foster. No, 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 I had to find out through multiple people texting me who were just message board subscribers. That's yeah, we couldn't out. tell you. Wait, why not? Because you're emotional. So you thought the better choice was to let me to keep driving further and for- further through Alabama. You had a you had one job to do: co- cover I, the kids' recruitment. I we know think... you're emotional. We know that if we would have told you it's not FSU, you wouldn't have covered the recruitment. That's if we only action. send you to ones that are going to happen, then everybody's going to know the gig is up. <laughs> we did this for 2025. So when we send you to another one, people aren't like, oh, we know this. He's not He's not committing. Brendan didn't we make were, it. There were conversations whether it was worthwhile to send me up for Travis Hunter's um, signing period or signing Shit. day ceremony. Imagine if we did that. <laughs> Would have been well right. worth it. All right. Comment section to say. You could have caught the hat. Leave the misery. Oh, I would have. I would have taken it and like cried on it. All right. So we're doing this uh, one because it's been a little while, but also uh, brighter times ahead. So before we actually get the recording, well, potentially. I mean, the transfer class gives us optimism, Joshua, and that's what today is about: is optimism. Before we get going on the actual podcast recording portion of this, Josh, I'm supposed to apologize for your hair. Is that the? Is that accurate? You're just the in-house apologist, so I'm just saying. I mean, I don't think it looks you, bad. You asked me what was up with my hair, so I said, why don't you just get on the pod and apologize for I it? I didn't ask you what was up with your hair. I asked you what your plan was with it. I'm on that Willie Taggart QB plan when it comes to my <laughs> it's, hair. It's a great plan. Yeah, your hair looks like the Alex Hornibrook of hair right now. I have a great plan. Uh, three, two, one. Welcome to On the Bench. I'm your host for today's episode, Brendan Sinone, joined by the entire OTB crew, Josh Newberg. Hello, Joshua. Hello. <laughs> happy Zach, New Year. We've already done a Happy New Year podcast. Zach Blostein. <laughs> Hello. Happy New Year, Zach. Happy New Year. <laughs> and Chris Nee with the freshest haircut of all of us. Chris, hello. Happy 10th day of the year. <laughs> wow, I can't believe it's already 10 days in. All right, so there's so much energy just emanating from this on-the-bench crew because there's actually been news this past week and good news, optimistic news for Florida State, positive developments. And, you know, I want to sink into the good while we have good to talk about. Because, you know, we learned in the past month it's not always going to be that way, right? So there's been a lot of good recruiting developments here in the last week or so. Let's go with the most recent. We're going to get into the transfers that FSU has landed, kind of go over the class in general. I know Josh is writing a big picture what the transfer class is, has done and what FSU is trying to accomplish with the class. Let's go kind of piece to, by piece first. And starting off with Winston Wright, the wide receiver from West, West Virginia who just committed to Florida State on Sunday evening. He is a very productive wide receiver in an air raid offense, to be fair. Uh, he had 
just shy of, well, let's see, 1,338 receiving yards. Let's say the entire number. In his entire career, three years at West Virginia, seven touchdowns in three seasons. So, Zach, I'm going to start off with you. Uh, how, how did this all come about with Winston Wright picking the Knowles? Yeah, well, it started with you kind of having the scoop that Winston Wright was going to be visiting on his own um, FSU on Saturday. Uh, and he took that visit. Um, he was kind of, you know, around some players and stuff like that uh, on that trip. And I think that really kind of sold him. Uh, I think there were some other schools involved. I don't know about, like, whether he took visits. I'm planning to get try and get on the phone with him and kind of see how his recruitment unfolded since he entered the portal. Um, he was one of the guys that entered the portal, I believe, on New Year's Eve and then um, took about, like, 10 days to decide. So, yeah, um, he released a top three uh, that night on Facebook of, like, South Carolina, Kentucky, and... I don't know. What was the other school? Missouri, what, I think. What exactly top three was that? Like, was that a top three of his favorite college towns? Was that a top three of his play, favorite places to visit? Like, what it was, was the, the top, top three, three schools he was not going to? I, I do believe <laughs> I do believe he visited South Carolina and Kentucky. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I'm confident on that. So so, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I remember when uh, the transfer portal started and, and we were covering one of the first guys and Chris Nee was like, man, this is refreshing because these transfer guys are going to be totally different than covering high school recruits. No, I'm it's worse. It now. It's worse in some ways. Oh, it's it, a there's mixed a, bag. There's a spectrum to it. You get really. But we did not expect this. We did not expect top threes. We did not expect edits. We did not expect a lot of the shenanigans that's happening in the transfer portal. Yeah, but we know the reason why it, it's happening is because these guys, a lot of these guys didn't get the hype of their initial recruitment. They want to live it out, um, you know, the second chance because they're a better, you know, product for these college coaches right now. We need more Caden Lyles in our life where it's just it's silence the entire way through. And he's like, sir, I would not like to do an interview. Have a great day. Remember the Andrew Parchment heart emoji? That was that was a big scoop. That was a big scoop last cycle. All right, so Josh, your initial thoughts. I don't know if you've watched the scouting report I I did on Winston Wright. I assume mm-hmm. you haven't, but if you guys haven't checked out Knowles twenty four seven, Josh, what are your thoughts on Winston Wright? The Sands scouting report. Uh, no, I, I did. I took a look at it. Oh, what do you think? That, was it good? Did you like yeah, it? I, well, I only read the pros. I didn't get to the cons yet. I only read above the fold. I didn't, you didn't get me to scroll. But um, production, right? That stands out. Florida State gets a guy with more production than like Florida State's top three combined wide receivers. Um, what did he have? 105 catches in two years, something like that. That I mean, sounds about right. Yeah. If he can go out and do and catch 50 balls for Florida State this year, then it's a massive, massive success. Um, similar, similar abilities to Pittman, but I like, I still like the pickup. I think it was necessary. Um, Overall, you know, a more productive wide receiver, but again, somebody that still needs to continue to develop as a player. Did you guys watch West Virginia at any point last year? They're awful. I went through and watched a couple games. Yeah, the quarterback play just wasn't very good. Their fans, I think, very much did not care for the quarterback, who I believe Mm -hmm. also entered the portal. Mm -hmm. So I am interested, and not that Jordan Travis is some, you know, ear raid, lighted up, amazing quarterback through the Mm -hmm. year. Calm down over there, Brendan. But I am interested in what a change of scenery does for this kid. I also think this kid is very motivated to be one and done. He technically has two years, but I think the goal is for this to be the last one. 
he did say uh, the next eight months he'll be at Florida State. So it does seem like it's a, a truncated window that Florida State will have him. I'm just glad he's just spending the offseason with us and not actually playing the season based on the eight-month window. He's yeah, a little short. I haven't tried to work the math out in my mind. I've been told that it doesn't work, but it's fine. He, he might not make it to ACC play. Yeah, he'll play the LSU game, you know, put it up, and then it's time to hang it up, get ready for the draft. Eight months. I mean, if you can go out and catch, like, eight balls for 120 yards, you can say, like, oh, this would have been my average for the rest of the season, so I'm just going to sit. Just do that in the first two games and then say that's it. And yeah. Florida State fans would be like, that's a legend. And, yeah, I think that might be a heady play. No, in all seriousness, I, I, it's a good take because you needed more. He's the most productive of the transfers that FSU has brought in. Uh, initially, I, I thought like the fan base response when they first heard about him was like, why would we take this guy? He's got a similar skill set as, as Micah Pittman does, as Josh said. A, a little different, but I get it. They're both smaller slot receiver types. Pittman can probably line up all over the place, but like, why would you say no to a wide receiver if you've watched this team play the last two years? Like, throw numbers at it. I'm totally fine. Yeah. Do, we, do we think they've, when we, I'll, I'll throw this to Zach and Josh first. Start with Zach because when we talked about the transfer additions at wide receiver a week or two ago, I asked if they were quote unquote markedly better, or as Zach said, remarkably better. Uh, now, do you think FSU is, w- would you change that now with the addition of Winston? Is FSU markedly better at wide receiver? I think so. Um, the drawback, I know Josh is nodding his head, but the shaking, drawback. Shaking his head. Yeah, I didn't dra- say anything. The drawback that I had from the initial three receivers they got out of the transfer portal was that there's really no proven pro- like production at you know the college level um, from any three of those guys, and I was like, you know, one of those three should have been a guy that that was proven and had you know decent production, and I think Winston Wright is just that. Um, you know, I'm glad they actually added another receiver. Um, I was like, you know, someone that was in support of maybe adding another guy if, if there was a proven commodity out there um, for Florida State. And I, and I think Winston Wright's a good a good fit, um, especially with him only being, you know, a guy that's from Savannah, Georgia, not too far of a drive away. Josh? Yeah, I'm not trying to be a wet blanket here, but the room still needs to be developed um, just because they, they, did a, they did a good job in addressing – the fact that they needed an infusion of talent at the positions. No doubt about it. They went out and they landed four quality transfer wide receivers, but all of them have uh, the need to be developed. And I just wonder who's going to do that at Florida State. Like who's going to develop them? Is yeah. That what we're... Oh, okay. We haven't, we haven't seen much development at the position over the last three years. Um, we haven't seen much development in the return game in the last nine years. But the development, the receiver position is crucial for some of these guys. I mean, Deuce Span, as much as we want to say that we, we love Deuce Span, he had five catches last year. That's, you're going to have to coach him the hell up over the next eight months, like Chris says, to get him to where you need to be for ACC play. Hopefully, Winston Wright continues to play as well and not leaves the team after eight months. But I just think that a lot of these guys need work. Um, and you know what I'm getting at. What's who's going to be the one leading this wide receiver room into the off season? So Ron Dugan's contract is still set to expire in January. We have not heard of any extension 
at this point. And, uh, and yeah, we're getting further and further along into January without a ton of clarity one way or the other. So remains three weeks to go. And then also, who's throwing him the football? I mean, we know that Jordan. We know what we get out of Jordan Travis, but also, we know what we get out of Jordan Travis. Sinone's trying to come through that screen right at you right now. I mean, mean, he was a a top half passer rating in ACC and one of the best quarterback conferences in the country last year. Um, the the type of wide receiver transfers that Florida State was able to attract directly reflects the talent at quarterback. I. Uh, that's if Florida what... State had a bona fide quarterback that got the ball down the field that threw for a shitload of yards, Florida State would be in it for top quarterback tra- for top wide receiver transfers. You know, last week when we were talking about the wide receiver hall to date, and you guys were saying, "Well, yeah, there's not a lot of proven production." A point that I wanted to make, and I would just want needed to move along the podcast at that point was, yeah, at a certain point, like this is who you attract because the passing numbers are what they are, and you can have grand aspirations of like this is what we did at Memphis. And I can even see a scenario where you put up like pretty good, efficient passing numbers this season if J-Trap takes another step, the offensive line's better, if mm-hmm. these wide receiver additions pan out. But to attract a surefire, like, thousand-yard receiver that people yeah. were, like, clamoring for, like, it, yeah, it, it's it's tough because it's you're selling on what-ifs, not what-has. And they could have maybe done that with a splash in the portal, like taking a transfer quarterback early. But, you know, we've talked about that at length on why that – wasn't really in the plans for Florida State. So um, I think with all things considered, without an upgraded quarterback, I think they did about they did a great job flipping the wide receiver room, but it's not done yet because you still got to develop these guys. And... I like taking four. If for nothing else, I think it makes the room uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. I think that needs to be done. Um, you know, proven commodity-wise, Winston Wright's the most productive of the four. Micah Pittman might be the most well-versed of the four in the sense of a guy that you can really tap into quickly and maybe get a lot more out of. But that room's not great still. Um, but I'm much happier with where it is today than where it was December 15th or whatever the date was when they whiffed on the high school class. I think they were so. always going to take transfer receivers for this reason. They just took four because of the fact they went 0-4. Mm-hmm. out of the high school ranks and like some like johnny wilson is kind of like a, a hybrid tight end to an extent the way he'll be used sometimes so like he's doing multiple things micah Pittman and uh jakai douglas have some like running back ability as well so so some of that is like but the position group is big as i was going to get to it's 12 guys currently so people are asking in the chat like are we expecting attrition at wide receiver like at yeah at some point or another you're probably not going to roll into the 2022 season with 12 wide receivers on the roster. Is that fair? Yeah. And yeah, I think the messaging expect, that when we say we expect attrition, we we're talking about between now and the start of the season, just for yeah. clarification. Yes. And I think it's yeah. more common sense thing than uh, there's somebody we think is on the cusp of entering the portal. Spring's right. going to happen. Guys are going to get messaging of, well, hell I've been past or it's not me or things like that. And this day and age, they hit the portal very quickly. Mm-hmm. And even the spring, like some guys have to graduate, and that makes transferring options easier. So there's, yeah, the, there's time. I, I don't know if anything's imminent or not. If, if so, I don't know about it. But but I, I don't like. I don't get the sense that the staff feels that they're up against numbers. I don't get this. There's no panic. I mean, we know that these guys are going to sort. The numbers will sort themselves out. Meaning, guys will see well, the writing on the wall, and and probably leave. You know, probably after spring. Will they work? But we out? could see a few trickle out before 
Let's get to the numbers real quick. I had that for further down in the podcast, but since Josh mentioned numbers, and Josh is always really nervous on whether they'll work out or not. Josh, let me just tell you right now, Florida State, based on its signing class, not what they currently have, but right now if they entered and they took what they are supposed to have and transferred over to the start of the 2022 season, they would have 88 players. So there will be more attrition. There's at least three guys who have to go. Middle. To clarify what Brendan's saying, that's the 15 signees, which has 11 early enrollees from the high school ranks, and then the nine transfers. So FSU is bringing 20 new people in this week at some point when everybody clears through. You know, 10 of the high schoolers are already here. Sam McCall should be through today. Most of the transfers are here. I think maybe one or two. There's a little bit of straggling just because that happens with transfer paperwork. But 20 new guys on scholarship, then a guy like Dante Anderson on top, that's 21 maybe one or two other PWO types at the mid-year point. So you're adding 20 to 25 new bodies for the spring. Chris, does your tree make it to February? Asks Chad P. <laughs> it was supposed to come down this weekend, but yeah, you know, weekends happen. <laughs> we just got the, we just burned ours yesterday and then took down the Christmas lights. That's a fake one. Oh, you probably don't want to burn it. If you put it out, if you put it out on your front yard, does that mean you're leaving those 24 seven? Is that, is that what I that means? I put the real one out there last week, and it just disappeared. Uh, one other note on Winston Wright before we move on to Jared Verse, which big news. We did a rapid reaction, instant reaction, rapid review. No. Instant I called it, reaction. Yeah, but it was supposed to be an emergency pod, and I butchered that. I was just excited. That was emergency. my fault, guys. Emergency. Oh, yeah. Emergency. Yeah. Emergency. I know. We, we, it's been a while since we did an emergency pod. The last emergency pod we did was an eight-hour one that just the emergency happened in it. So. Yikes. <laughs> uh, so Winston Wright is supposed to get his paperwork done on Monday. That's the last day of drop ad. Uh, you can add guys afterwards for the spring semester. It just becomes more difficult with paperwork. Uh, Jared Verse, same thing. Tatum Bethune, yeah. I think he's already enrolled for sure. I think Verse is in the system too. So like these guys are – Winston writes the last piece of you. Like hopefully everything goes smoothly today. He's in the system. You get them in for spring, which has been a huge emphasis for this recruiting class. But today is not a drop-dead date in terms of getting guys in. It just – it becomes harder after today. You need a waiver. You need a little something, but it's doable. If there's a guy that Florida State wants to get in over the next two weeks, they can still get him in for spring football. Um, that being said, there's not really anybody out there right now that I would point to. But Josh is like, here's looking at you, national championship game. It, that is yeah, tonight. Exactly. Yep, that is tonight. Let's see if uh, Jermaine Johnson 2.0 wants to come here. All right. So speaking of Jermaine Johnson 2.0, seamless transition, Jared Verse. Again, we did – a podcast about him on Friday evening when that came out, but let's spend a little bit of time at least kind of relishing in the monumental take that I feel like this is in terms of like this recruiting class, like he was an absolute must to make you feel good about uh, taking another step forward in 2022. Chris, I will let you swoon over Jared verse. I know you're a huge fan and and you took really the lead in that recruitment. So please uh, fill us in on your boy, Jared verse. I mean, he played a spring and a fall season at Albany last year, was very productive in both in the spring, which was limited, only four games. He had 10 tackles for loss and four sacks. In the full season, he had 11 and a half tackles for loss and nine and a half sacks. Very productive, consistently averaged about a sack per game in the fall, um, which was just good to see. The Syracuse game film, which Sinone dived into, was sort of what put him on FSU's radar. He just showed his size, his athleticism, his capability of playing at this level against a caliber of opponent like that, chasing down a very talented running back like Tucker at Syracuse is something that catches the eye of coaches on film. 
The best thing about him is he's got multiple years. He has at least three to play um, if he so chooses. He's big. He's athletic. He's smart. He's mature. There's a whole lot of boxes being checked there. I just had to get in. I had to do it. Um, but they like him. And uh, they weren't the only ones, as we covered in the instant reaction emergency, whatever we named it. Rapid pod. review for Rapid about a budget review. shout out. Um, yeah, I, they had to have a DN. They truthfully probably need at least one more, but I think the spring will somewhat determine what they need at that position going forward. I don't think they're in a huge rush unless the right guy pops in there in the next week. Um, the right guy, because Winston Wright was. So no, take a break. Go get a coffee. Take a walk, whatever you want to do. Sit down. But no, Jared Verse is going to be a helpful guy. He's a productive guy. Do I think he's a Jermaine Johnson next year? No, I, I think that's setting way too lofty of goals. Jermaine was really special and somewhat unique. Do I think Jared Verse helps him a hell of a lot? Yes, I do. I think he's going to be very good. I think he's going to be a starter. I think he's a guy that helps him both run and pass support. And I think he's a guy whose best football is probably truthfully still ahead of him. He's grown into this body very quickly. He went to Albany as a tight end body type, redshirted, and then rolled out there this year and showed what he could be. But he's put on 30 or so pounds in his college career. He's still getting used to what he's doing at this level. And obviously there will be a transition going from Albany to Florida State. Someone had asked me the other day, like, what, how did he? How did that body type end up at Albany? Uh, like you say, Chris, he had a huge growth spurt in the last two years, and also like where he was in Pennsylvania, it was a pretty small town, like like fourteen thousand, fifteen thousand. So that's that's how you fall between the cracks. Uh, anything else we want to add on verse? Again, we went into that pretty deep with the instant reaction emergency rapid review podcast. I, I I just think it's worth mentioning. It's it's a big win for the staff. You know, they they got beat up on early signing day to some degree, and by them by opposing schools by the media that's a big one that's one where they had to fight a hell of a lot of schools off they had to make sure they got a visit in a very condensed schedule they had to make sure they had lasting power after the visit especially as new offers poured in they had to make sure that relationship and the sales job was solid enough to land the kid in the end and it was and i just think that matters all right, Kesna asked, does Verse stay for all of his remaining years of eligibility? Well, we'll see. Not if it goes I, right. I, yeah, hopefully I, not. I think he's a two-year guy for them probably at least, but I don't know if he's there for all three. So with Jared Verse, so this is a question from Green Bay, really does suck. <laughs> but Bay spelled B-A-E. So. They put it on the teleprompter, so no one had to read it. it. I started to read it, and I didn't really know where <laughs> I was going. I saw a D and a, and a CK at the end of that, and I didn't know where that was going to go. Uh, what do you guys think we get out of Briggs if he's moved to defensive end? So that's Dennis Briggs. Uh, yeah, Adam Fuller did say odd uh, during the early signing period that was something that they were potentially considering is kicking Briggs back outside. Especially... Did he actually say that? Mm-hmm. Okay, and Josh had introduced that point just prior to that, which when he said it, I'm like, that's actually now. pretty brilliant, especially with the expectation of Lovett coming back. Um, well, I heard it early in the season from somebody on staff. I'm here for it. So it made, I love you know, it. Made a ton of, it, made, it makes a ton of sense, especially even back then I was being told that Cooper and Lovett were coming back. I didn't believe it because for various reasons, but with Cooper and Lovett hasn't said it yet, but if Cooper and Lovett do come back, then Briggs to DN makes a ton of sense. He would probably play the think, Fox defensive end, the edge setting, and then you can kick him inside for passing downs, take out mm-hmm. Coop. Like that's yeah, that make it makes sense. And Dennis Briggs was having a really nice season. He was one of FSU's best pass rushers last year. Maybe not from a sack perspective, but pressure and getting to the backfield before his injury. Yeah, 
So you have Verse on one side, Briggs on the other. Like, do you think they take another defensive end at this point, or do you think yeah, they kind I think of try it's to- probably safe to take another guy that fills in the middle of that depth chart from an age and ability standpoint, and a guy is probably more of just a natural speed rush end type. I think it does, but you also hope that you know McClendon and Fuller take a little bit of a step forward are definitely capable backups. Uh, maybe a guy like Pat Payton or a guy like Byron Turner who was hurt all last year, that one of those can, can come about and be a guy who can contribute. You always want six to eight at those defensive line positions if you can have it. You definitely have to have four defensive ends just from a rep standpoint. It shows how much of a difference last year when they were able to rotate made a difference compared to two years ago when Kando and Robinson, not that they were special, but they were NFL ability they had to play so many reps that by end of games, they were just, you know, kind of having to save it for the play where they had to try to make a play. And you don't want that. You want a guy that can go out, exhaust himself, next guy in, let's keep doing this. Don't forget Leonard Warner's also coming back at defensive end. Oh, I didn't forget. I actually do think that's sneaky because he can set the edge well. And that's fine. If he has one role to do and, and does it adequately, that's depth at a position you don't have a ton of depth at. So I, I don't hate that coming back. I know some people on the message board were not – fans but he did something he did it well when he was healthy a year ago uh oh real quick i forgot i want to give a shout out uh for the winston wright visit uh again it was unofficial it was on his own time his own dime because it's a dead period but he did hang out with Kalen deloach during that visit and those are two savannah guys uh good for kayla like showed him a good time the Winston Wright visit was supposed to last a couple hours. We knew something good was probably going to happen when uh, he was there late onto Saturday. I'm not sure if he ended up spending the night or not. Do you know, Zach, if he if he ended up staying in Tallahassee? Probably not. I, I have no clue about. I thought that's what we like we were told, but um, but yeah, I mean, regardless, it got the job done. Yeah, it was it was a good sign that he a two or three hour visit turned into multiple you know more hours than that. So. Uh, shout out to Kalen Deloach for doing a good job, being a good host, and yeah, someone who's who's continuing to to blossom and and develop uh, as a yeah as a player, but but now as just someone who's helping out the program in in a meaningful way uh, off the field as well. So good stuff there. All right, so that's defensive end. That's Jared Verse. We're going over Winston Reddit wide receiver. Let's talk about Tatum Bethune. We haven't really dived into that since he committed to Florida State. Kind of fell in between recording times for us. Uh, so he's a UCF linebacker. that had over a hundred tackles this past season, pretty good metrics in PFF. I think he was like at the seventies in every single category. Uh, who wants to take, who wants to talk a little bit about Tatum Bethune and his fit and, and basically what he projects at as Florida state. Anyone should I just ramble and do it? I'll do it. All right, fine. We'll ramble uh, two, two or three minutes of bread and talking nonstop is really what the people are here for. So Tatum Bethune is someone who's going to learn both linebacker positions, Mike and will FSU really does like, uh, not just his production, which is obviously there at UCF, but his attitude that he's physical. And you watch that on his film, like when he hits you, the play ends, he strikes you. Uh, similar to DJ Lundy, but he's got a little bit more, well, I want to say more than a little bit more athleticism in space. He's not a great athlete, but you see him trigger and accelerate in short areas. He's really good in, in that range. So between him, Kalen Deloach, who is pretty rangy, Amari Gaynor coming back, you have to kind of figure out the role for Amari and exactly what he is, I think, to make that get the full value of him. And it's still been a work in progress to find out what Amari is. And then DJ Lundy, like those are four. You feel pretty good about that rotation. Uh, if you're able to get, say, like Omar Graham, if he ends up, is he here this spring early, Zach? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's enrolled. 
Okay. So if you get Omar Graham, if he shows you something, can help help out the depth a little bit there? Like then you have five, and that's like the rotation you ultimately want. So Tatum Bethune raises the floor. He raises the ceiling. Uh, he helps out the entire the entire position group in in multiple ways. So yeah, he's he's a really good fit. I don't know. What do you think, guys? Just does that end it at linebacker for Florida State now at this point? Like you think they're comfortable with yeah. with that role? Uh, that I think it's fills? done. Okay. Uh, unless you can, unless you know you can find like a real stud, but I don't like. Where do you think Tatum Bethune? Tatum Bethune I don't think he takes Kalen Deloach or Lundy off the field. Do you? I think he takes Lundy off the field. I don't think so because I think Lundy serves a purpose for you. He's kind of your thumper. Yeah. You know, when you need a thumper in there, you're going to like, he's not going to be able to play Lundy's position in certain roles. Uh, so I'm pulling up the stat count for them right now. I think part of this, Josh, is, I mean, yeah, Lundy, like against the Boston College. And I'm not saying valuable. that's a bad thing. I'm saying, you know, he's, he's, he's right in there with those guys in, in some sort right. of rotation. I think you have to keep adding, not necessarily keep adding bodies, but potentially take another body, just have more versatility in the room. I don't think you can be stuck with a guy like Lundy against spread teams. Mm-hmm. Right. But yeah, but Lundy there's certain has value times against where you're going to have Lundy on the field over throat. him, though. So, Kalen Deloach, so part, part of this we saw was this huge inequity of snaps. All right. So, like, you want everyone to get like about four to 500 snaps and to be balanced. Well, Jarvis Brownlee was on the field for 844 snaps last year. Jamie Robinson, 755. Jermaine Johnson, 736. Kalen Deloach was fourth on the roster with 685 snaps. DJ Lundy was six on defense with 571. Mm-hmm. So the depth at, and then the drop off was Amari Gaynor at 404. And then, like, if you're looking at, like, at the, the backup linebackers, Stephen Dix, and I forgot to mention him earlier, had 88 snaps. So that's where I think if you can get that more balance to where you're not having guys taking 600 snaps in the season, you can play them situationally a little bit differently. You can even just rotate them to keep them fresher. Like, Kalen Deloach was good last season. And he got better as the season went on, but there are times like he's in the game a ton. And, and yeah, you're going to get picked on sometimes when you're gassed and, and you're on the field for, for 50 snaps play or a game. So that's the value. No, I agree I'm with a, that. I just don't think that Tatum Bethune comes in as, as guaranteed starter next to Kalen Deloach. I think there's times where Lundy's going to, you know, I think he's a, a rotational guy for Florida State. Okay. I'm a proponent of one more at linebacker. I think, I think one more different body type, capable player is worthwhile there. I just think you got to keep, there's got to be diversity to each position group on defense this day and age. You play too many teams that play too many different things that you can't stuck with guys, can't get stuck with guys who are only good against certain things. And FSU certainly was stuck last year at that position. Right. They were going to play the two. They were going to play pretty much because those were the only two they really could rely upon. And then you mix Gainer in for certain situational type things. I think you have to keep having different guys for different situational type things. So I, I think it would be beneficial to FSU to add a veteran linebacker, maybe a one-year rental type guy who gives them something different than the guys that they do currently have in that room. On Bethune, I think he can compete to start. I don't think it's a certainty. You know, I think Verse is a guy who I feel pretty comfortable saying I think can start. I think Wright's a guy I feel pretty comfortable saying I think he can start of the transfer group. And then Lyles mm-hmm. is another one that I would probably lump into that group. But beyond I, those guys, I don't know if I go and say another guy is a definite starter. Right. I would I would put if we want to put a bet on. I would say Bethune starts at least half the game as long as he's healthy. Like I think he'll be I, I would I would agree with you on that. Oh, I also think there's a good chance, you know, if anybody goes down, Bethune's next man up too. So 
I think to Chris's point, like you need linebackers who can do multiple things. And unfortunately, the way FSU has recruited and developed that position for the last like five or six years, uh, since Telvin Smith, probably you don't have guy who you can like confidently always keep on the field who's going to be able to do everything against every offense. I think Bethune and Kalen Deloach are probably the two that give you the best chance. Even though Kalen's a little smaller, like they both play in space pretty well. Uh, so that's why I think you see Bethune's because you don't have DJ Lundy might be a better fit for like certain offenses mm-hmm. you're going against, but I think Bethune is somebody you can play. Like you don't want to be they were doing so much mixing and matching at times last year. Like if you can have continuity and then kind of fill in like Lundy situationally, like as a reserve, I think that's optimal to have Bethune start Lundy come in, you know, on first and second down, you know, on the third series of the game and then the fifth series and rotate it that way. It sounds, um, I mean, that is optimal. Just yeah. see if it works out that we'll, way. You'll see. This is all, yeah. yeah, it's all, it's all a crap shoot because transfer portal and recruiting in general, you never know. Uh, speaking of that, Josh, so, FSU currently has the top transfer class in the country. What does that mean? Uh, with the score 52.25 in the 24-7 sports transfer rankings with nine commits, like that's that's the highest score. We, we're tracking transfer classes now. So it, what are your thoughts? Have they taken the most transfers? No. 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 I mean, they got more. Yeah, they got to be up there for sure, but mm-hmm. no, not the most. Uh, their average is pretty good. Like their average is like about like 88 or something. So it's, it's in the higher ends, probably like in the top 10. Yeah. Uh, top 15 so what, what are your thoughts in general of what they've done in the portal so far i guess what stands out as positives what are negatives what still needs to be addressed moving forward in your estimation uh, josh to me the most important player they've landed so far is caden lyles because he comes in surefire starter mm-hmm. at a position where some of those offensive plays were just doomed from the, from the snap literally from the snap um so i think he comes in then you got jared verse big time priority position of need uh like chris said it was really just good for the staff to to land him um now the most important thing to for me moving forward is a impact offensive tackle somebody that can come in and start at either right tackle or left tackle um if they don't land that i mean as big as jared versus in terms of um upgrading the roster and offensive lacking an offensive tackle that can come in and start would be a major major disappointment for Florida State. Um, I think that is the biggest priority moving forward. And then we'll get into quarterback recruiting. But I think that'll be after spring football. If they don't get an offensive lineman and and specifically a tackle in the portal, I think you're very much so in a similar situation as you were this past year, where if one guy goes down, that that probably derails your entire game plan in a a very profound way. So I think that's... That's the one thing that feels a little incomplete at this point. Yeah, I think they and – and I'm not panicking by any means. Um, last year, Dylan Gibbons committed to Florida State on May 10th. He enrolled in June. So we know that there's still a ton of time. We're going to see more offensive tackles trickle into the portal. Um, right now, there's nobody that I would put you know, FSU involved with. The weird thing was the uh, Virginia offensive tackle, mm-hmm. Sabota. What was his first yeah. name? Ryan. I don't know what happened there. Our UCLA site reported that he was he visited Florida State. I I got to think that they had that mistaken. Um, I've been told on numerous times on good authority that he was not here. And then Chris about a week ago exchanged a DM with Sabota himself asking if he was there. He said he was not on campus at Florida State. It's since been parroted by I think the Virginia Tech site. So there's a couple reports out there. 
that say that he visited FSU, I think it all stems from a false report from the UCLA site. And then and it's to, just being copied. To clarify, I don't think it was our UCLA site. Oh, okay. I may have been another networks. Yeah. Um, I think that's where it started. Some sort of miscommunication, misinformation. Mm-hmm. But Fake since news. then, it's been picked up by a couple other sites saying that, you know, that's that's he's part of FSU's recruitment. I do not believe that's the case. He was and, he was confused as to what had happened, right, Chris? Well, he just asked me where that was coming from, essentially. And Ryan's sort of kid that I've dealt with a little bit since he hit the portal. He's originally from down near Orlando. I think he's a Windermere Prep. Kid, Windermere Prep, Prep, yeah. Um, he just was asking me where that was coming from. He's always kind of been a very straight shooter. You know, yes, they've contacted me. was one of our first con- for mm-hmm. conversations when he hit the portal. I asked him, I think it was last Wednesday afternoon, evening, about the FSU visit, he said no. And I take him at his face value with that. So to clarify, Michael Steven asked, not expecting anything from Bless Harris. Is he not an offensive tackle? So he is a transfer. Uh, I think he's more developmental and a depth piece right now. I mean, we'll see what he looks like in the spring. But He his... would have played in place of Brady Scott this year. When yeah, Brady Scott was playing offensive tackle, you would have seen Bless Harris play offensive tackle. He's a swing lineman more than he's a let's definitively call him one or the other. Hey, maybe, I mean, since we're at the point now that you're probably not getting a guy in for a spring semester, not impossible, but unlikely, as we outlined mm-hmm. earlier. Like, maybe you go through the spring and you see Bless Harris move around to tour duty, which starts today, Josh? Today, tour yeah, duty? Yeah, today. Starts All right. today. Let's this, go all start running around. Probably already started. I got after it <laughs> right at like now. 5 a.m. this morning. Oh, it was. I'll get ready to do some social media aggregation, guys. Be fun. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, on what can FSU add just from a number standpoint? They're at 24 for not including Woody. They have 15 high school signees, nine transfers. They can add up to 32 if they have room under the 85 to add 32. Okay. So, still so eight more. We'll get into the the number crutch. Yeah, potentially that exists. Uh, you just need eight to leave, correct? Yeah. I don't um, think it reaches eight, personally. I think it's probably more four to eight mm-hmm. window. But yeah, they've already dipped into They'll go above. Mike Norvell was pretty transparent in saying that he thought during the early signing period that they would that there was a good potential they would surpass the 25-man limit and, and activate that plus seven. It also comes it. down to finding eight, guy, eight more guys that are worth a scholarship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as they hit like that 2020 class, like didn't really hit on a lot of guys. I think they feel better about some of the freshmen from the 2021. So like, as you kind of start like stabilizing the bottom of the roster with younger guys, like you may not be quite as transfer reliant, but yeah, still we're, we're an overhaul roster turnover mode still at this point. I don't know if that's ideal, but that is where FSU is. Uh, Yeah. Zach, any other position groups? We mentioned offensive tackle Zach or Josh mentioned quarterback. Uh, something maybe look at down the road. Any other position groups that you would say keep an eye on uh, here, I guess, in the next couple months or so that you would think FSU could potentially add? Running back. Um, I think there's there's a guy that they really like out of the portal. I think you could watch that position as as a position that they may add at um, just because you're going into this season with a couple guys that have you know had meaningful snaps for you uh, in the past with Treshawn Ward, Lawrence Toffili. Um, you bring in Rodney Hill mid-year, but, you know, Trishan Ward's a really good back, but he's a former walk-on. Um, I, I feel like there, there's, you know, there could be more more to add to that room. And maybe if there's a guy that, that 
they're genuinely interested in and that interest is reciprocated in the portal, we could see them add uh, in the next, you know, coming months as uh, maybe as like a summer enrollee. Coach, hey, go ahead, I've had, I've had people mention to me behind the scenes that don't rule out another defensive back. And if Florida State did, it would be a safety. Now, I was being told that prior to the official announcement of Jamie Robinson. I wasn't being told that it was tied to Jamie Robinson's announcement. But do you think that Florida State, just looking at the roster, would need another safety back there with the return I, of Robinson? Go I ahead, think Chris. defensive back is a position where attrition is can, can be expected. There's just a log jam of guys or some guys that they're at the point in their career where they probably should be doing more than they are doing. Spring's going to be important for those guys. I think there might be some decisions made after spring, which would lead to a necessity of probably adding a DB. They don't, you know, while they said safety, they kind of view DBs as DBs. Sorry. Mm-hmm. And then we figured it out. So, so that being said, then I think the positions moving forward where Florida state picks up a number is quarterback running back, offensive tackle, defensive end, and then that leaves you as a maybe at linebacker and a maybe at defensive back. So probably the best the best fit. Yeah. The best fit at either. If you can find someone who kind of does like a little bit of both, maybe like a Jamie Robinson who kind of do the nickel or a high safety, like that would probably be ideal. Or a pass Um, rushing linebacker kind of solves some problem, you know. Yeah. There's someone who who fits the hybrid needs. Yeah. So it'd be interesting. We're you know, not done with transfer portal coverage. Maybe we could take a deep breath right now for, for a week or so, but Maybe. I'll probably, I'll probably, probably not for another week us. or so. Yeah. <laughs> Two okay. last points on transfer portal before we move on to returning guys. One transfer grades, rankings by us, by other outfits and eh, take them with a grain of salt. I don't think transfer rankings are particularly well done at this stage of that existence. Because the hard part is like, you want to factor in, some credit for a guy that's going to be there for three years. Right. But how do you also factor in a guy like Jermaine Johnson who comes in and makes a one year splash where this three year guy may never make the splash that Jermaine Johnson did in one year, but he's going to Mm -hmm. be there for three. I, I understand the need for transfer rankings because the recruiting classes no longer tell the story anymore. Right. So you need to factor in transfer recruiting. I just don't know exactly how you do it. it initially and because the transfer like the amount of guys going in the portal has changed so much the last two years like when we tried as a company to first do the the rankings last year i recall like there was a huge emphasis on quarterbacks and because previously like quarterback was a position group like a position that lent itself to an instant turnaround like and for that's for like the last 10 years like russell wilson uh jalen hurts like you go on and there's examples and initially it was like, ah, oh, skill guys or offensive line, whatever, any other position may not transfer over as much to make a profound impact. But but we've seen in this past year, like that's changed. So yeah, it's still very early in the process. Like it would be like covering recruiting rankings uh, at rivals 20 years ago, you know, like when they first came out, like it's always going to be changing and what you look at yeah. and value. But like, how would you travel? How would you rank Travis Hunter? If you knew Travis Hunter was only coming to play for you for one season. High versus. <laughs> somebody else that's coming in and has three or four seasons. I mm -hmm. think people want the rankings to reflect that, but like, I don't, I don't know. I think rankings for us as a company, generally the idea is NFL potential first and foremost. Secondly is how damn good of a college player can this kid be? And for example, Jermaine Johnson last year, they whiffed on his ranking with regards to that. 
But we and had to push for a peek behind for him the curtain. To be higher than he was. Yeah. Chris and I had to push for him, and we saw it. he was like 49th or 50th. Like he was. Yeah, just, he, McKenzie, was for there. example, was what 16th or so, if I recall correctly. He started off earlier and kind of jumped, moved down a little. And bit. like I like get it, pre-injury Mackenzie Milton. There's a lot there, but that was a catastrophic a injury. So I just, portal. I'm not trying to bash our ranking. Rankings are an insanely difficult thing to do, and it's all sort of a guess slash projection of the future, and you're going to hit some and you're going to miss some. It's just a natural order of things. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying with transfers, do span, for example. Do span, you can rank really high, and if it develops and it turns out, you look freaking brilliant. You can rank them really low, and if it never develops, you look freaking brilliant. You can play it safe and go in the middle. I think we have them sort of in the middle, playing it safe there. There's others, Greedy Vance, I think it's ranked a little bit lower. That's a guy that's played at a high level, not an insanely high level, but he started on an ACC squad and was productive and was good and was certainly very good against the team he's transferring to. He's ranked lower. I think he could be ranked higher. It is what it is. I'm just saying don't get super hung up on it. I think this staff has shown that they're pretty good at finding guys in the portal that are going to help them and who they can they believe they can develop and turn into better players and have – Good things come from Keir Thomas, Jermaine Johnson, Lasher, supreme examples of that. But there's others within the framework of it. But at the same time, we got to account for Mackenzie Milton, who didn't do a whole lot, and Brandon Moore, who didn't last. So it's people all wanted sort of Kushney ranked a lot higher than he was. Yeah, you know, it's it's hard. And he couldn't Kushney play at this couldn't, level. couldn't crack the two D. Yeah, on on Florida State's roster. So you know the that ranking was correct. So it, it's it's hard. It's hard. But I do agree that they need to be ranked because it needs to tell the story. Yeah, I agree with you there. And I think it's worthwhile. I think it's all taken within the prism of transfer rankings against each other. I just think it's one of those things that I don't know if it's the right manpower being dedicated to it or it's just too much of a damn task at this point because that thing's so exploding with numbers and whatnot. I just don't think they're great at this point. And that's not a 24-7 thing solely. That's just a general review of transfer portal. And they're not great by the guys that are paid a lot more money than us to evaluate it. I mean, not every transfer that every team takes is a hit. And trust me, these teams do take these guys because they think they're all going to hit. So they're missing too. You know, the coaches and the GMs and the recruiting coordinators and all these guys, they're missing too. I mean, Feldman probably did what, top 50 transfer list last year? At the end of the cycle of transfer, yeah, when it was all said and done, I think it would be interesting to go and look at those fifty and seeing how it played out in the last mm-hmm. four months. I just and Feldman does a great job; he gets a great deal of feedback from schools, from personnel people. It's not like he makes that list solely flying by the seat of his pants. Mm-hmm. I just think it would be interesting. Chris Summer um, takes the lead on on that coverage for us and does a really really good job. It's yeah. it's overwhelming for one person to like be like if the transfer portal continues to have hundreds of players enter a week if that like goes on beyond like the COVID era and with eligibility kind of being weird, like eventually I think it just not just 24 seven, but any recruiting outlet out there, like you're going to have to have multiple people allocated to covering yeah. and, and coaching staffs too, are starting to have guys that are specifically like scouting transfer players at every point uh, in time. So I'm surprised that hasn't happened this cycle. Truthfully, that more manpower has been dedicated in that direction. I'm going to guess it will be sort of emphatically. I just year. think that that's where it's going. You're you're seeing power schools, schools that are really good, that had good seasons last year, that are going to be portal heavy. You're seeing schools like FSU that are a traditional power who have been insanely portal heavy multiple classes in a row. It's just sort of the way this is going. The high school recruiting part of this business is dwindling while the portal part of this business has certainly increased. Now, that can all change in coming years and go back, and there can become a balance and 
high school recruiting can become more, more emphatic and more common again. But right now, this business has transitioned in that direction, which brought me to my other point. I used to say FSU was turning into a mercenary program, and it is to a degree. I mean, seven of the eight guys on all ACC last year were transfers. Nine transfers here. We're talking about potential of 13 to 15 total, maybe, it, when it's all said and done with this group. But I don't really know if it's as bad as I used to think it was going to be. I used to think it was a horrible thing, and I think it can damage you with recruiting high school kids because it's a negative connotation that can be thrown, negative recruiting of, hey, they're just going to recruit all of you in the portal. But I find it interesting that, to some degree, if you can't land a dude out of high school that you want, who you think can be really good, that you have to develop, go get the guy who's already sort of developed and plug him in. I think that's where FSU is right now. I just, you know, I try to view things in the view of what happened last year, five years ago, 10 years ago, what's happening right now. And my view of the portal and how FSU use it has changed to some degree over the last 12 months. I was talking about this with my, my buddy the other day. Like if, if college football has always been a minor league system for the NFL, and I think that's more apparent now than it, it's not in the shadows. Like I think everyone kind of sees that at this point. There's now becoming classes like AAA, single A, double A. You know what I mean? Like like teams will develop players and because they could have the one-time transfer uh, you can transfer jameer gibbs you know for example like you can be good at a at a double a school and then get called up to alabama and i think that's just kind of same as the coaches yeah no i'm not i'm not against it it's it's something that maybe needs to be like narrowed a little bit no i think the next thing that's common having talked to coaches and and kind of what's been being talked about behind the scenes is a transfer portal window maybe two of them interesting Interesting. What would that look like? Like what just time a, of the year? a um, probably after the season and then maybe after spring in the mm-hmm. summer, two windows where you're not 365 days a year recruiting your roster and recruiting other teams rosters. And you don't have guys entering the portal mid season. Okay. Yeah. I've heard eight week plan was one that was thrown at me, which is uh, the two weeks after your season, the two weeks after spring, the two weeks before fall and then just plug in uh, two weeks in somewhere where you think it fits. I mean, it's just ridiculous right now. The week after Christmas and before new year's was typically truly dead. Like coaches could go on vacation. Jimbo would go hunting. Like guys could go off the grid. Now you can't do that because of the transfer portal, because you got to add guys before the semester starts, but also you got to talk the players on your current roster into not going into the transfer portal. You got to stay in contact with the, the parents of these players, the kids and the players themselves. Like I think there needs to be a window. It's just, it's too much right now. All right. So let's move on to like one or two more topics here. We kind of talked about, so Jamie Robinson announced that he is returning. That's a big development because he did a lot of things well for Florida state. Uh, Not a huge surprise. I think the the thing I would throw out there that was kind of, we had heard a few days before uh, he announced it was that there was some NIL stuff happening to like make that make coming back, make a little bit more sense. And I think that's also trickled down to some other guys. Uh, Fabian Lovett would be another one who, again, hasn't announced he's returning. But you know, if he does end we up announcing that, to return. we do. And I think he would probably have some NIL stuff as well. So there are some, like, it's being allocated to get guys to come back is good. And I still work in progress, obviously. Uh, that's worth noting. So with Fabian Lovett likely coming back, with Jamie Robinson announcing it, uh, Leonard Warner as a depth piece, plus with the transfer additions. Uh, Christopher, how are we feeling about the defense going into the spring? 
I think it's trending in a solid direction. I'm DN still a little bit of a question mark. You know, I'm not going to say verse is just magical. It solves everything. I think there's some more to be determined there. Um, in the secondary, there's going to be some stuff figured out there, but spring's going to be interesting. I think, I think the best thing is that they have so many guys coming in early to 20 that we talked about earlier that spring's going to be really, really competitive. And I think it's going to shake things loose very quickly. I don't think there's going to be the, well, I didn't have a good spring, but we need them because we need the body going into the fall that may have existed a year ago. I think this year, if spring doesn't go well for you, it's probably time to pack up and go for some guys. Yeah, other than defensive end, I think you're going to be better at every position than you were this past season. I mean, everyone pretty much comes back other than Kier, Jermaine, Emmett Rice didn't play this past year. Anyone else that they're that they're missing? Miko, uh, Caleb Brooks Mik- went pro. Uh, Miko's gone. Uh, there might no be impact players. Yeah, Miko was yeah. unfortunately hurt for pretty much the duration of his FSU career, and it just didn't work out the way they'd hoped it for. Yeah, so so yeah, they should be better with the additions coming in. Uh, oh, Sam McCall is supposed to be in Tallahassee today. I believe he was in Tallahassee, and they went back home. And, and but anyways, we expect that to be resolved and. Um, have the entire early class settled in and enrolled here the next day or so. So that's house cleaning. Anything else? Tony coaches, Tokar's talking coaches today. Contracts run up. Um, okay. Yeah. Good Ron Dugan's contracts up at the end of the week. I've been beating that drum since before early signing day, still watching it. Still no word. Um, I've been on here saying that I believe, you know, Florida state's going to move on and they're going to, sign a running back coach and move Yak to wide receivers. Um, I think that was the plan when they were, when they were kicking the tires on Juwan Sider. Um, since then, I've learned of a wide receiver coach that Florida State is in contact with right now. So I don't think that the only option is moving Yak to wide receivers. I think there is also the option of bringing in a wide receiver coach. Um I also am not 100% sure that they are going to move on from Dugans. We'll see all signs point in that direction, but I did have some conversations that told me to, you know, kind of slow my roll maybe a little bit on that. Um, but I also know that they are, you know, and when I say they, Mike Norvell is actively reaching out to other coaches at different places. So um, I do think it's also possible that they just bring in a wide receiver coach if they go in a different direction. <laughs> <laughs> I want to emphasize your face. I was trying to do it as five seconds ago, but I'm not a good producer. I, I'm just glad that Josh made a comment about 54 minutes into the pod. That's going to help people forget about the prior 54 minutes. That's what we do. Just kind of drag them along. And I love like the Winston Wright thing was funny. Josh and I talked about this on the phone about a week ago. Like the way the expectation is for our coverage now is not to just know like who they're talking to, but when oh. that guy's making a decision uh, who he's picking like before he actually picks before he informs us the thing that drove me nuts about Jared verse was the constant whether it was on spaces whether it was on the FSU message board whether it was on Twitter whether it was here in the comments section like hey guys where's Jared verse going we're sitting here telling you that he has not informed any staff so anybody that's saying where they thought Jared verse was going was just guessing but they the fans want to hear us guess because that's all we are doing on where Jared Verse is going every 10 minutes. Every 10 minutes. Well, where do you think he's going? Well, I think he's going to FSU, but he hasn't informed the staff yet. Well, but 10 minutes later, where do you think he's going now? 
well, he hasn't informed the staff yet, but I still think it's FSU. It was it the 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 transfer stuff gives fans the opportunity to really dig in that obsession over one player. And fans have like become, their feelings. Fans have become a bit obsessed with transactional football versus the actual game. Especially message board fans. Yes, especially and those of those sorts. It's been crazy. But hey, you're gonna put my kids through college, so thank you. I actually appreciate it. It's all it's all perfectly fine. But the way the transfer portal works is just right for this sort of excitement because they do go from kind of like one player to another. So you don't have to be paying attention to three or four guys at a time. You can just dig that obsession into one guy and act like the future of the program rides on this one guy. Then as soon as he makes his decision, it's on to the next. I wish we had kept a list of every portal guy we've checked in on during this cycle because it has to be around 200. It has to be. I should just read my DMs. I probably have about 200 DMs out of the kids. It's been fun, though. It has been fun. It's just, it's interesting. I'm not the recruiting guy like you guys are, so kind of dipped my toes into the Winston Wright game, and very quickly I was like, I don't want any part of this. Yeah, it's a dangerous game to be in. Could have been Jared Verse where he went dark on you for about 96 hours and had you a little concern there. Yeah. Yeah, I think hey, the coaching... he, called, he called me in the end. He I did. He, he handled it really well at the end. Uh, he handled Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no we'll see what it. happens in terms of the coaching changes. Um, the dead period opens up, what, on Friday? Yeah. And so it runs visits are back January, on. And then February's dead. Coaches yeah. can hit the trail again. Um, We're going to see some younger guys visit, too. I don't know if we expect anything to change at the co- at the wide receiver coaching spot by the end of the dead period, meaning by the beginning of the opening of the dead period this Friday. I don't know. I don't know. Seems like Mike Norvell's moving a little slow. I do know he's contacted some people. Might have an update for you guys later today. That air is great. Sorry, I thought maybe we were going to talk about 2023 stuff and keep that going. I was trying to get other stuff. Oh, 2023. Uh, I mean, we're going to roll out some 2023 content this week, but for the most part, there is no quote unquote junior day from what I've been told by people inside the more. It's going to be more of, hey, let's get guys on campus every single weekend. And the reason for that is if you have a big junior day and you get 100 guys on campus and say you have four running backs or five running backs that you that you like. How do you recruit four running four or five backs at the same time? You can do it, but it's not ideal. You'd rather have each one of those backs come on individually. And this goes for every position. Each one of those backs come on individually and recruit him more personally. If you're willing to put in the time every weekend, some coaching staffs like to do two junior days, knock it out, and then not have anybody back on campus until spring ball. That's not going to be the case at FSU. Yeah, so – it's open the 14th this Friday to the 29th where they can, FSU can be on the road. They can have people in the 30th. They can have people in and that goes dead on the 31st and all of February is dead, which I think is the second year that that's been the case. Uh, well, third year, this started on the counter before the pandemic. And then obviously March, April is again, you know, it's a uh, quiet period for the most part until you hit the evaluation period in mid April. So that kind of sets the calendar for the first quarter of next year, of this year. So the only other thing that I wanted to discuss, I don't have the, all the details in front of me, is that FSU 
let's see. There, there's a lot of like support staff stuff occurring right now. So they've posted several job openings, uh, football recruiting student assistant for operations, football recruiting student assistant for player personnel. But then they also are looking at a GM role and then possibly like someone who does some scouting stuff as well. Um, I wish I had all the updates on this. I didn't think about that until just now. Plus the creative force. And the creative force. And they've already hired a new director of uh, – of creative content uh was it zach uh, hammond is that is that correct yeah from unc who had previously been in FSU. been here and he's an fsu grad and yeah chris posted some of his graphics to the website and it seems like he does a good job and is well regarded so yeah so that's good good stuff that support stuff is happening and as those hires are made and announced we'll get more into it unless you guys want anything else to that right now we good no no i, I think that the ad who we had on the pod last week is a guy who's going to be attentive to such things I try to get him to spill the beans on that during the pod and Michael Alfred sidestepped it because he's, he's good at what he does. He knew that yeah. was not something to address in that moment. I was like, are you guys doing anything like support staff or helping out FSU that way? And he started going into the video boards for for soccer and for softball just to get Chris's heart beating. So, What did uh, he we'd... say about the uh, two expiring contracts at the end of the month? That was not. He did up. not touch on such a topic. So, well, Mike, I, I know you just inherited this job, but what about those two expiring contracts at the end of the month? How are you FS- feeling about that? Of FSU legacies. We've heard, we've heard all sorts of different no things. No pressure, Mike. About it, and, like, yeah, just nothing that I'm comfortable reporting. Like, we, we have heard, like, there's noise in the system of uh, who we think will be back, who we think won't be back with possible extensions coming up. Because it is fair to, to note, like, with some of these contracts, like, they don't like to have coaches. Typically, the, the Ron Dugans and Odell stuff is is different, but – they don't like to have coaches on a final year of a contract. Like that's a bad look for recruiting. That's difficult. So why like is this co- different then? Why is the Dugans and Odell? Yeah, you said this is different though. <clears throat> it is different. I don't know why it's different. Uh, other than I probably don't expect like someone back would be in their legacies. Oh, I thought you meant like this is different, and you knew the reason why. Uh, never mind. I just I took it. I was going to say, Josh, the point I was getting to before you derailed me there was that I would expect this offseason. Get to like, it. Adam Fuller, John Papuchas, those were two coordinators who, along with Kenny Dillingham, were going to have contract expire at the end of 2022. They're probably up for extensions at this point. So that's something to kind of keep an eye on, whether whether that is announced sometime this offseason. I don't have a you know imminent timeline on that. Um, yeah, and I think you're probably trying to want to get everyone on the same timeline so you're not having all these weird – most Every business six and coaching contracts are taken care of from January till June. Yeah. Yep. And June that doesn't mean us- June well, is no. the fiscal year for most college programs. June or yes. July. Yeah. June yeah. or Technically, July is the fiscal year. August is the start of FSU's athletic okay. financial year. Traditionally, I don't know if that's going to change with Alford, but that's mm-hmm. been the way it's operated for several. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I hate speculating on people's jobs. Like, if Dugan's isn't extended, and again, we've asked, like, there hasn't been an update on an extension, and we're entering with, like, two weeks left on that that contract, as we know. Like, I don't know. Do you announce it? Do you just kind of let it happen and hope, like, no one – like, I just – I don't know how you – I think the win-win for both would be him getting a job elsewhere. I think that's going to be tough. When's the coaching convention? Now. Yeah. I know. Okay. Most of Florida State staff has been there since Saturday. Okay. There's always a lot of heat at the coaching convention, guys. And I know Mike Norvell spoke yesterday. Ooh. I think that was his day. So I know Mike's out there too. Nice. Let's get some let's get some video of that. 
Tattoo, Josh. I don't know if you're allowed to shoot video in there. All right. Let's wrap this up. I've We've been at this for an hour. In any of the conferences, I've been to seven coaching conventions, mm-hmm. and the only convention I participate in is at the bar. That's where. That's where all the stuff That's happens. That's where it all goes down. Mm-hmm. Where real business you can go happens. listen to speeches and go look at equipment and try on some helmets and you know, there's all kinds of stuff going on at the convention. But for the most part, the business goes down in the bars around the hotel. Good morning, Mike. We're leaving now. For Josh Newberg, Chris Nee, Zach Blostein, I'm Brendan Sinone. I almost said for Brendan Sinone. I'm Ron Burgundy. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown, new season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus.